Hi, I'm Eamon Fennell. You're watching the Hotball series on Dubs TV, courtesy of AIG. On this episode, we're going to be talking to Dublin legend Paul Casey about his 10-year career in the Dublin jersey and also looking at his new role as the coach of the Dublin Ladies Senior Football Team. I hope you enjoy it. I want to kick it off first with why I know you or how I know you as a, as a Dublin footballer. You are, for me, one of the most diligent players when it came to training. And when I first came into the squad, I remember your fitness levels were just through the roof in comparison to everyone else. When you look back now on your career, do you think your fitness was one of your mainstays of why you became such a pivotal role in the Dublin teams of like 2002 up until 2008? Yeah, I suppose like when you think about it, we, a group of us came in in 2002 in um, Tommy Lyons' first year. So like you had a lot of older players, probably part of the squad back then. We were all like 19 little whippets and like weights training wasn't, wasn't a, a thing there, I remember first year we did like maybe five or six uh, weeks of weights and that was it. The young lads just to bulk up where you had these older fellas that were probably slowing down because of their age. And a few of us came in and Tommy Lyons, I remember, was big into the, the running and running letters of the alphabet where you do maybe an M shape one night, a W shape the next night. Then you might do a circle, you know, an O or something. So like, I suppose that was the way to make an impression, come in and... I remember you'd often hear groans of the older fellas when all the young fellas would be out kind of leading the pack. And so we were there to make an impression. And if that's, that's what made the impression and got you uh, a starting jersey um, in those early stages of the National League, it probably stood to us, you know. So um, like you look back then and the way it changed over the years, it was different types of fitness. But again, it's very different to what the, the levels of fitness the fellas have now, like completely different. Like they're so powerful, so much stronger. Their physiques, you know, they're not bulky. They're they're just it's all power, and um, it was a different game back then, and like bigger jerseys. <laughs> more fellas, just you know, kind of. Thank God for Typhoon. Yeah, well, there, yeah, there you go. And the Typhoon came though. That's the thing. It was probably wasn't uh, as some of us were getting older. It wasn't the kindest thing to us either. <laughs> yeah, but like when I was widow tools in two thousand and four. I remember looking at the Dublin team training and exactly what you said there, the cones were laid out in a letter and you just ran that letter over and over again. It looked so boring, but yeah, like as a, a, as a young person, I just wanted to get involved and all that. But yeah, yeah. when you were going to train, were you just like, oh my God, please don't be, please don't be up. That <laughs> was all right because, you know, it was... <laughs> Sometimes Tommy used to say, like, we'll do, we'll, we'll do kind of start off with an M shape and then to change it up, you'll run the opposite way back, you know. But, like, it, it's funny because a lot of teams were doing that training then, you know, and then sports science became to get, um, kind of come on board and the Northern teams were probably fancy themselves as being a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of that. But you look back and you think Mick O'Dwyer had just left Calair in the late 90s. Um... Then he'd gone to leash, you know, and it was like fitness really that had those teams um, competing against each other, you know. But so you never, you I suppose it's always nice to challenge, no matter whenever we went or whenever we went to a training session, whatever was thrown in front of you, be it fartlek runs, be it running around the muck, be it sprints, be it, you know, rolling around the ground, you kind of relished it and you were 
you were doing something you loved and you were training and in that group scenario and you're representing Dublin, everybody fighting for the same cause. So, I mean, you just got on with it, but it was that feeling, the satisfaction that everybody got through the session. You know, when you're sitting down to have your dinner after, like really, really, kind of, I suppose that was satisfying. And, but ultimately you just wanted to go play football. And even back then training in Cahill Brew, like the pitch, the pitch wasn't even suitable for football, you know, it was suitable for running around. And like I remember even back those early days after, championship games you'd be out to Sunday you'd be out to Monday and then Tommy would bring us out to Leopardstown race course on the Tuesday night after a game and you know run us again but people just got on with it and it was the small price you paid for having your two days celebrating after a game but um, things kind of changed then over the years yeah but as, as part of that like as, and as you said at the start of this you were one of the players, the very few players that were always top of the run. Like your fitness levels were just through the roof. Do you put some of that down to the degree you were doing in DCU at the time with your sports science? Or like you like you came from a minor team, a 21 team, so you had a good base, but you know, to be as far as you are ahead, do you think you were ahead of the curve with sports science and SNC? Probably not. I don't think so because, like, I suppose sports science in DCU only really it was only 2004 5 that kind of really they got involved in the setup. I think a lot of it was down probably to genetics. And you look, even like to David Henry, who was always a very strong runner. Like, then you look at other fellas, Shane Ryan was powered, you know, he had that kind of natural power base. Karen Whelan has like huge strength, he was big long strides you know but he wouldn't have been good at the likes of the long running so I think a lot of it is genetics and you know certain players were su- were suitable to the game back then um, and now you look at the lads that are coming through and they've, they're doing weights and they're doing all the proper training the most up-to-date training um, when they're with development squad minors and they're coming into adult teams and ready for it you know um, it, it, the game's changed a lot but I think just at the time um you know, a good probably fitness base. I wouldn't have been as fast, probably over 10, 15 yards compared to some fellas. So, uh, I mean, like, it's all you can, you're not going to be uh, like brilliant all around or everything. If you have speed, you mightn't have the stamina or the endurance. And if you have the endurance, you mightn't have the same speed as other fellas. So, um, like, you look at Alan Brogan, and Alan probably wouldn't, if you, if you, Challenge him to run to run a kilometer, he wouldn't do it, but run him over ten meters, he beats you every time, you know. Um so some fellas have just had that different kind of makeup and it's whatever could get you in the team. But back then even the halfbacks, like it was just get up and down the pitch, up and down the pitch where like now you look at the likes of Jack McCaffrey, look at even Merch, you look at you know, Johnny Cooper, they're fellas who can just like do these fast runs up and down speed. There's that speed that goes with the endurance as well and that power and the strength. So games change a lot, but you know, probably my genetics stood to me back then. Yeah, like it, it obviously plays a massive factor. But when you're, when you're going there and you talked about that mindset, and as I said, like in 2004, I remember being in O'Toole's and we finished our training and I was looking over and just watching you run mad to be involved and then in 2005 I was lucky enough to get called in but we'd come off the back of a 21 campaign so it came straight into the summer football but 2006 I remember like we're down in Royal College of Surgeons and Tuesdays, Thursdays 
and it's literally just run, run till you can't run anymore. But I remember like kind of thinking, I can't wait to go to Keeley's or the Goblet afterwards for the big feast you get, like, you know? So when you look at nutrition as well, because I, I nearly had a Ferrero Rocher tower of roast potatoes coming back from the yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it was just mad to think back then, like not only was it the S&C stuff, but the nutrition was just out the window as well. Like, like yeah, everything. Like I remember you pull up to the car park and the goblet and you'd see, you know, Mary and John going in for their usual Saturday carvery and they'd see all the Dublin lads coming and it's a race to get up into the line that you queue up, you queued up for your carvery. You know, everything was so different back then. And even you think the video work, I remember when we started with Tommy Lyons, the video work was literally Paddy Canning at the time pressing play on the video on the VHS machine. And then if we wanted to watch the clip again, it was rewind the video back and play it. Like, you know, the video sessions could have went on for hours, where now it's just everything's on huddle or everything's online. Like, you know, that, can, that changed over the years where then we got the DVDs maybe two or three days after. But now the lads nearly get home and the, the video is there for them to watch on, on huddle, you know. So everything was different. But as you say, nutrition was... Like, you know, like, didn't matter what we were putting in, you know, the thought, I suppose, behind it was, it doesn't matter what they're putting in because they're doing so much training and stuff, but they're all the way, just the game has come on and I suppose learn from other sports and you see the lads now and they're just all year round, they're so well conditioned. And the other thing to remember is, like, when our season ended back in the early 2000s, like, you finished up, it could have been July, August, you know, September, then you took a break. And like fellas came back and started all over again, then maybe in January, where now it's not like they're just, they're athletes all year round. They're kind of, whether it's the 31st of December or the 31st of June or the 30th of June, they're, you know, they're, they're conscious of what they're putting into their body and stuff like that. So it's just, I suppose, a sign. Did you ever really take a blowout? Like, did you ever really like just say, right, I'm going to take a month off. I'm just going to let the wheels come off and yeah. winter, November winter in well. November and December, everybody did. Like you would, like it was, but everybody, everybody came back in similar conditions. So like you weren't like, when it was all relative, you were looking at others, you were saying, well, he's like, in my eyes, he's as big as me. You know, like, <laughs> it, wasn't like it wasn't like there was 10 fellas coming back in absolutely brilliant shape and there was, you know, everybody else wasn't. It was kind of, people came back and started again. And later on in years then, especially, I suppose, when Pat came in and, you know, it got really kind of, the game itself changed so much. But then, you know, you fellas kept themselves in shape and always looked after each other. But, I mean, like, it wasn't probably the 12 months, um, like, you know, kind of season as it is now nearly. And that means, like, fellas just want to, to keep on top of their fitness and that's what has this current Dublin team so so hard to catch that you know they're just coming back and they're not they're not getting to where they were last year they're getting to a different level every year, every year yeah. know, it's so admirable to watch as well but like as, as a player and I think it was it was one of your one of your many strengths was that your your, your discipline your attitude towards training just preparation uh, and a lot of people wouldn't have actually seen the, to the level you got to in regards I don't think I ever talked to a coach who hadn't got the height of respect for you like you know every kind of coach I, and, and mine that would have echoed your name numerous times in my year like you know when, when I was acting the field or if I was messing or not like for your attitude towards 
the game and towards training, I would say was really like you just wanted the team to improve. You weren't always looking at yourself. You were always looking at how I can make other people improve, be it being vocal in training sessions or making sure that you pushed yourself to near exhaustion in running sessions that people were always trying to catch up with you. Your mindset, was that challenge towards the end of your career when you were kind of, you went from 2002 to 2008. I think you started more games than, than anyone in that time space, especially under Pillar. And then when Pat came along, was, was your mindset challenged then and your approach to training? That's what, like, kind of, I suppose it went full circle that you would have come into a panel, then played, and then went to a position where you weren't playing. But in terms of applying yourself, I think anybody that comes into an inter-county setup or setup like that, you don't know how long you're going to be there. You could be there a year, you could be there 10 years, you could be there for one manager, you could be there for three or four managers. You just don't know. So I think my mindset was whatever, you know, whatever I did, I was going to try and push myself to my limits. Um, you know, I knew at the time you had heard that, you know, coming back to the club or fellas would have often said, oh, he should be playing with the county. He's so skillful. He's doing this every Sunday. But they didn't have the, I suppose they didn't have the lifestyle to match the skills that are required at that inter-county level, you know. And others then, I always said to myself, get as much out of it as I can. And it won't be for the lack of trying or for the lack of applying myself that if I don't make it. Um, yeah, and it's great when you're playing. Um, definitely great when you're playing but I think over the years and Pat especially when he came in like the squad was so important to him and like maybe it took maybe a year for for everybody to realise that and there was a lot of older fellas then um, in the, in a similar position but like ultimately you were there because you wanted Dublin to do well you didn't want yourself to do well and like if you want if if that's your mindset, I think go off and do an individual sport. But if you're there for your team, for your county, you want us to be successful. Um, and like for a lot of those years, we didn't have the success that we're used to having these days. You know, it was Leinster titles were were huge achievements, but like we didn't have anything beyond that. So I think as time went on and you get that bit of experience and you see these talented fellas coming into a squad and you're saying these are actually the fellas who can bring us over the line and get Dublin back to that promised land of winning in All-Ireland. Well, then you want to help them as much as you can. And I think Pat was always a great believer and number one on the panel was as important as number 30, do you know? And he had this, he had a great skill it is that like, he made everybody believe on any given Sunday that they could have a really important role to play on the pitch. Yeah, I think on that, the, he did... And that's why a lot of people bought into what he was trying to do. Yeah. And I have, I have a fond memory of 2011. I was coming back from a bad injury and uh, I missed the first round of the championship. And I was in the A, I was on the B team for A versus Bs. And I remember you pulling me aside to say, look, your season's only starting now. You need to get your shit together. It was a very honest conversation, like, you know, but it was one that kind of gave me the kick in the hole that I probably needed to kind of get my focus back because you know yourself, you're after missing the National League, you're after missing the first round of the championship, trying to get it's harder to try and get the jersey than to lose the jersey. So when you're when you're in that position, you're fighting. But going into them A versus B games, when I look back on that season, the people that stood out for me were yourself, 
Henner, Massey, um, Ross McConnell, because I, I remember them training sessions and them matches. They, they're the, that's the journey. That's what you remember. Like you look back and you go, right, if I wasn't making Mick a better midfielder, what was I there for? If I wasn't challenging him to push him on, what was my role? And, and I think it takes leadership and it takes someone like yourself to actually bring that out in, in players when you see them like messing around. I think like, as like you, I suppose you get, when you get experience and you, you come to a realization, you always want to be there playing. You know, you, you'll always feel if Pat tells you, look, you, might, you may have a role for us Sunday, you'll believe it and you'll be ready for it. But maybe deep, deep, deep down, you're kind of saying, like, do you really? So, like you can get your kicks then out of having a word with somebody else and seeing somebody else that you, I'm not talking about taking under your wing, but somebody else that you're kind of fighting his corner for. And you're, you know, if you're given that bit of advice or if you see Eamon Fennell going, getting his starting position and performing for Dublin and getting Dublin over the line, well, then at least you can say, look, well, hopefully, hopefully those, that bit of advice helped, you know, and you can get pleasure out of seeing different fellas come in and perform like that and, you know, really do themselves justice. And those, fellas that are on that upward curve or coming from being, you know, you know, minor teams, under 21 teams at the time and breaking through to the senior team. Um, you know, you get a satisfaction because they're your teammates, they're, you're watching them putting in the same effort. Um, and ultimately, if they can make that Dublin team better than it can be with any of the older fellas in it, well, that's all you want because that's ultimate. And that's, that in the end, that's why we had the success in 2011. Yeah, and, and I think it's one thing to say it, but it's another thing to do it. So, like, you can give that rousing speech, but if you're not doing it yourself, you know, there's no weight behind it, and it kind of falls on deaf ears then. And I remember, and I don't know if you remember this, in 2012, we did uh, a training camp in Kerry, and Pat ran us and ran us and ran us, and we were, like, gassed. And uh, the last part of it, I, I was jogging back, and Pat was jogging beside me to say like I'm, I'm an old man I'm fitter than you I'm faster than you and he said look at Casey and you are gassed like you are you are blown out and you are just still running and still going he goes are you gonna are you gonna let him beat you <laughs> I was just like oh. then, yeah, yeah. Well, you know and it, it was like and that's a good manager will use every member of his squad in some way beneficial you know and like it's as you know yourself, when you're in a squad, it's not about getting 15, 15 fellas on the pitch. It's keeping the squad happy as well and having that squad harmony in a good place. You know, and probably I remember when a lot of us broke onto that team in, in the early 2000s. Um, we were probably really seen as a threat, you know, and like, who are all these fellas coming, coming in? And, you know, this, it was very different. It, I'd like to think that... As we, as myself, the likes of myself, Mossy, Heno got towards the end of our career that, um, you know, it'd be awful to think that any young fella coming into this squad felt that they weren't being made feel welcomed, you know, or, you know, that we were kind of going, oh, we don't need them in, that we want this kind of closed group. So I think, um, you know, like that, that all comes with experience. And ultimately, we had never got to place where we wanted to. So you just want whatever fellas that can come in and get you over the line, you'll help them in any way. And like they thinking back to those AVB games that they were, for some of us, they were our championship Sundays, you know, they were the highlight of, of the preparation. Um, and then you could sit in Crow Park on the bench watching the fellas go out and produce the goods and uh, feel that like maybe 
that match last last Saturday morning and training, you know, helped get the team to the level they're at. And I think in 2011, that was probably the real special feeling and everybody acknowledged it. You know, and the big thing is that after every match, the fellas who started, the 15 who started in the four or five that came on, always acknowledged the role that everybody else played. And, and we were you know, in a really good place and the squad was was great. And I think that's continued throughout the year, uh, throughout the years. And like it's all, it's a squad game now. So uh, yeah. and you look, look back, the likes of Kerry, Tyrone, the teams that were really successful at that time, they didn't just have a strong 15. They had strong, you know, 24, 25. And we probably didn't have that during the, the 2000s. Um, we didn't have that real strength and depth and uh, that other squads had. And ultimately, that's why we fell short and we're reaping the rewards for having that strong panel now. So speaking of them teams back then, that them, them great Kerry teams, the great Mayo teams and Armagh, you as a halfback played against a kind of a golden generation of half-forwards, the likes of... Galvin, Dewar, Declan O'Sullivan, Dylan McConville, Kieran McDonald. And then, like, when we had to train, you were marking the likes of Flinner, Allen, Dermot. So you never really got a break. Like, you were marking, really, like, kind of some of the game's best players. What do you learn from these guys? And, you know, like, is there stuff where you just kind of look back and say, how did I ever try and compete with him? Like, you know, he was just on a different level. Like, yeah, there's someone, there was a lot of real good players and fellas that were probably pivotal to, you know, the success of those teams. Like, you think Paul Galvin was, you know, he was such a strong player for Kerry, that those successful teams, Declan Sullivan. I suppose, look, like ultimately, if you spoke to some of the cornerbacks in the Dublin team of that time as well, you could name off a host of like the Gooch, uh, Stephen MacDonald, you know, all these players, um, uh, uh, that you know were also so good. So like they were they were excellent players. Um, I suppose yeah, there was a lot of good players there. But that was part of the challenge is trying to you want to play against the best fellas, you know. And I'm sure that there's fellas around the country now that look at this Dublin team and they just want to go out and pit themselves against uh, against those and see where they're at because ultimately that's how you learn about yourself. That's how you improve is playing against some of the the top players in the game. Um, Kerry Tyrone, that kind of over the year, the 2000s, Kerry Tyrone probably had most of them. Um, and the, this current Dublin team now have probably the top uh, 12 fellas in the country, you know, over the last five or six years in the team. So I'm sure um, other teams are using them as a benchmark. But, um, but like, yeah. like, even, even now, in comparison to that, to the half forward position back then, what have, what have you seen as the change in the role? Because that half-hour position is a crucial position. And, you know, some people might take it for granted, but when you actually see the work the half-forwards have to do and half-backs now have to try and do to get yeah. yeah. And that's like, I suppose back then as well, there was your half-forward line, for the most part, stayed in the half-forward line. You know, where nowadays they're back into defence and then they're breaking forward. And there's probably a lot more tactics and... You even think back to the year Mayo Cotters when we were, you know, six points. It was a 2000 and 2006 in the, the All-Ireland semi-final. Like, had we went six points up and we continued to play the way we had been playing. Where nowadays, if a team went six points up in an All-Ireland semi-final, it'd be very much bring fellas back, shut up, shop. You know, so the game was different. Tactics were different. Um, 
probably there's a hell of a lot more asked from the half for, from half forwards in today's game. Um, like you look, Kieran Kilkenny, um, Paul Mannion when he's out there as well. They're all able to do a role, and it's not just a matter of playing in the half forward line, hoping to get on a ball and get a score. You know they have to do the, the donkey work for the team, get back, do defensive stuff as well. So uh, the game has changed a lot, and um, like you know, tactically it's it's so so different that. Before, you could attack and just get back. You could attack and get back. Where now, you have to be mindful of where your half-forward is going into the defence and where he's going to pop up again, you know? After football, you kind of got straight into coaching with development squads with Dublin. And I don't know if that's because Shaco kind of had a word in your ear to say, come on, you need to get in now. But you kind of moved straight into the Dublin ladies' senior team and you've been on the back of huge success with them. Like... How have you seen ladies football evolve and, and what does analysis bring to the game now? Is, is it kind of taking over where people are becoming all too consumed with it or how are you using it to work for your team? So you look at getting involved with the development squad and that's, I think, kind of something that the county board and Shaco took on was to get past players involved in some way and it's been hugely successful and you look down to some of the in the management teams of development squads and it's great to see fellas you played with and fellas who played before you giving something back um, so that has been really successful and it was a really enjoyable experience then I got a phone call um, before Christmas a few years ago from Mick Bone who had managed us in the club here in Lucan and Mick uh, Mick can be quite persuasive I had just uh, we had only had Lucan that October so he's a couple of months old and Mick rang me to meet me for coffee, met him and he said, um, I have a proposal for you you might come involved a day a week. And I said, oh Mick, look, um, just after having a little baby, so I don't think I'm going to have the time, I want to play football again next week. And then he turns around and he says, this might actually work in your, this actually might work out and it'll work in your favour. So if you just came along one day a week and before he says, like, We're, that's all we asked, you know, and see how it goes. And before I knew it then I was roped in and yeah, it was great one day a week and then you're kind of starting to join it and you're kind of finding your feet and suddenly then in the height of championship, you know, it, it consumes you as well. Um, and I've really, really enjoyed my experience so far with the ladies and I just couldn't get over their professionalism, their attitude, their application, uh, their willingness to learn, their willingness to better themselves. And like, that's really how they have had so much success is just that they want to get better and better and better and they can look at the lads and see where they're gone and they want to follow in, in their footsteps. Um, but there's some superb players there. And I remember watching with absolutely no disrespect to, to the ladies game. You could say the same about the men's game, watching it 10 years ago. Um, and the skill levels have just gone to a different, uh, you know, to a different place. And you look at some of the girls we have, um, and they can be as skillful as any, any lads, you know, and they have a football brain that is as good as any fellas uh, out there as well. And um, it's been a really, really enjoyable uh, journey so far. Oh, we, like, I've gone to a, a few games when I can and brought my daughter to the All-Ireland final uh, last year. And it is amazing to kind of see uh, the crowds coming back and, the skill level of the game is just phenomenal how it's, how it's grown. And like, to, to be there and to see that change and to see the growth happening to the strength that it is and, and the support coming through with, with big sponsors like AIG sponsoring the men's team and the ladies' team, like, you know, it, it brings a lot to it. And 
yeah, when you have someone like Mick Bond, who, when I remember when, when I got dropped by Jim, the first person who I rang was Mick because I'm, I was just like, I, I need to get my skill levels up. I've kind of suffered from just the injuries and have neglected it, just been rehabbing. The, the knowledge that that man has is ridiculous. And then you have your Ken, a good friend of you from DCU as well. Like, you know, so you have a nice cohort of people there that would know each other as well. Do you just kind of bounce off each other? I mean, has Mick formed that kind of close-knit team? That oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I think we've, we've a big management team, but everybody has, their, has a role. Everybody knows their role. And like any team, if you don't have, you know, good cohesiveness with, between the management team, it's not going to work. And we're lucky that the player, we've a fantastic group of players, we've a fantastic management team, and they both gel really, really uh, well together. You know, and we're not afraid to, I suppose, to have the the hard words when we need to. But um, ultimately, we're just there to facilitate the players. And one thing, when you're involved in a management team like that, you do appreciate the amount of work that goes into it. And you look back on your own playing days and when we used to turn up and training was set up, videos, work was all ready for us, food was laid on. But like that doesn't just happen. There's a lot of work goes on behind the scenes by a lot of people. And you see that kind of firsthand as part of the management team. Um, but like that's been, it is a strong management team are going to be kind of a close management team. And we're lucky that Mick has, um, in fairness to him, has put together a really, really good management team. And there's a good blend of different people there. Um, and he has everybody assigned to role. He's not one of these managers that wants to, you know, do everything or oversee everything everybody's doing that he's, he's um, not afraid to take anybody else's ideas on board. And I think that's what, what's made it uh, really, really successful. Um, and we have a group of players there that just drive the thing on and just want to get better and better uh, every time they go out and put on that Dublin jersey. Speaking of putting on that Dublin jersey, you're the only one who, who I'm interviewing who's still involved in the game in some shape or form. So do you see them being able to put on that Dublin jersey again this year? Good question. Like, I, Well, if they, I think, if they had the choice, they go out on Christmas Eve and put on, you know, play games because I think ultimately as footballers, you just want to get out and play and train and you can do your different individual stuff and your Zoom calls and that, but it, it's not the same. But we'll be hopeful now that I'd see the GA have um, have said there'll be nothing happening intercounty-wise before October. I'd imagine the LGFA will um, will follow suit. But, um, I mean, look, maybe it's just a different... It'll be a different time of year we're playing football this year and, please God, come October, November, December, there'll be a lot of people... Be only too happy to get out in the muck and the rain and the cold and play football. So, please God, we'll see. Uh, we'll see the girls playing uh, before the year is out. Yeah, I think we all want to see it. Like you know, just to see any sport now would be great. Like you know, yeah. looking at uh, like all the all games. And I, I talked to Colly and Alan as well, and they've actually said they rooted out all DVDs of games. And in my mom's house, my mom's taken out all the games that we've had as well, and my dad's been watching them and. and Ringing me, giving out about my performances as well. So I think we're all going a bit store crazy. You're, looking for a bit you're of... watching yourself running around with the big jerseys and you're going, oh my God. <laughs> uh, I kind of filled it out well though because I went it so well. But yeah. for yourself though, what are, you, what are you kind of doing to keep fit? Like you've done what, three marathons now, is it? I've done five marathons, I've done Dublin oh. three times. So, so yeah, that's when I finished, when I finished with Dublin, I, I really enjoyed going back playing with the club. Um, and, you know, I felt I had a lot to still give the club and wanted to give the club 
uh, a lot of time. So I was playing senior up until two years ago, played a bit of junior, small bit of intermediate last year, was going to do the same this year. Um, and then I decided in 2014, I did the London Marathon on behalf of the Irish Heart Foundation. Um, I had done a little bit of cross country when I was first year in school for a year. And then did a few kind of 5Ks and 10Ks the year or two after finishing with Dublin. And then I said, feck it, I'll do a marathon. Uh, signed up for the London Marathon, enjoyed it. Then I did one in Barcelona, I think it was two years later. Um, and I've kind of got that running bug since. And I suppose it keeps me fit, but I find it's great for just, you know, getting out there, getting kind of a bit of headspace, you know. Um, and the thing I really like about it is having been involved in team sports for so long, it's actually nice to just go out and do something yourself. You know, you can decide to go out for a run at six o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the evening. You don't have to follow, you know, the group training or training, uh, plan training sessions. You can go out whenever you want. So really, especially the summer, summertime, um, I really enjoy it. You can go out for 20 minutes. You could go out for an hour and 20 minutes. Um, but I, I'm really enjoying that and I suppose it keeps the weight off and keeps you fit and it's a different type of fitness you would have done over the years um, with Dublin as well you know you know, I've started trying to get into road running and now I'm, I'm big awkward and I want to try and lose about 3kg uh, but did you start running on the road because since I started running on the road is my joints and my back and everything is just or did you just kind of slow yeah. I started running the road, yeah, and I suppose, like, I wouldn't done it all year round. I would have done it maybe for you know, three months, four months, or the duration of a marathon train. And thankfully, touch wood, I've had no no injury, you know, and the body seems to be holding yeah, up. Yeah, they give you the commentator's course there. Now. Yeah, one of the most injured men in Dublin. There. I look um, so cracker body anyway. I'm used to it. No, thankfully, I've been... I've been good and enjoyed it. And I suppose the years of doing the, you know, doing the weights and stuff with Dublin, strength and condition, having good strength and uh, conditioning programs in place um, have stood, you know, have stood to me as well. So, so what I'm saying is to all those other former players, um, it's all right to go out running. Take up cycling. <laughs> yeah. Here, I, I have two more questions that I want to finish with. The, the first is you, you've, well, I had a ten-year career with Dublin, uh, and you like one minor, one minor Leinster's under twenty-one All Ireland's. Who was the best player you played with over that time span? The best player, my favourite was probably I think Karen Whelan. Uh, I just oh. loved Whelan. I loved playing with him. Loved watching him. Um, and I remember watching Whelan play minor in nineteen ninety-four. My brother was on that team. And then he would have come on to the Dublin panel, you know, probably not too long after that. Um, and like, it's mad to think that he went from, I think he came on the panel in 96 and he went from like 96 to 2002. Like I won my first senior medal at the same time as he won his first Leinster senior medal, you know. Um, and then for him not to have got his All-Ireland, All I think is one of the, the greatest tragedies and in Irish sport, you know, but like I remember, like some of my abiding memories of playing with Dublin is being in the middle of Crow Park, being around that middle area in the field, and so Karen Whelan coming just over your head, catching the ball with the big gloves at the time, and just coming down and you know, lording his way up the pitch. And I think he was probably uh, probably one of my favourite players over the years, and uh, playing with him later years. Then I 
maybe I think to see where he came from and to see I've seen him coming into the squad and to see what he's done even now in the last couple of years with Mick Fitzsimons would be another one. Uh, unsung hero comes in, gets on with his with you know with his job, his players he's marking get very very little out of him and a really unassuming guy. Um, like comparing to Dennis Irwin, you know, over the years, <laughs> this you'll always depend on Mick to to perform, and you know he he mightn't do a whole lot, but you can be guaranteed his man won't do much uh, either. And like you look at his performance last year, and in the All Ireland Finals, it was incredible last year. He just had one of them years where, you know, kind of what you said, it, it might have gone unnoticed in, in some aspects, but the role he did, the players he marked, and he yeah. did it with just. And yeah, and for a fella, I suppose, to go and like to be like he's doing his medicine now and qualified doctor, like the work that goes into that, and it just you just know how he applies himself to his training as well and gets the very, very um best out of himself. So you have to have the utmost, utmost admiration for him. Um, and I think like he's been real unsung hero of the Dublin squad since probably 2010 11, you know. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of him, but I'm, I'm a bigger fan of Wheelow in, in many ways because if the toughest person I've ever marked is Wheelow, and I never knew how to mark him because people see him as a, as a big ball winner, but he was so athletic, he was so fast, he was both footed. And I remember 2005 in St. David's, they, I was playing uh, wing back in the B team. And I caught him blind, so I don't know why. There's about 10 midfielders, Darren Home and Shane Ryan, Darren McGee. Uh, and I caught him blindsided with a shoulder. And I bounced off him, and he didn't even break stride. And I was just like, right, give me the credit to <laughs> But yeah, I remember goal he got in All-Ireland semi-final in 2002. Armagh had just gone up and got a goal. And um, we were kind of on the ropes at that stage, and Wheeler gets the ball around middle field, just goes through and rattles the back of the net, you know, and uh, got us back in the game. But um, yeah, what a player, what a player for Dublin. And like even watching now in the Sunday game, and his analysis is so good, you know, um, like he, he understands the game and he gave a lot, to, a lot of service to Dublin over the years, you know, and mightn't have got the, set, the rewards he, he should have got, you know, in terms of medals and that kind of stuff. But, well, actually, on that note, I think it, it's fair to say that, like, in, in some ways, you probably didn't get the recognition that you deserve as well. Because as we as we talk and as we look back, and, and the more I looked into your career and the, the medal haul you took from it between minor, 21, Sigerson, Leinster, and all Ireland, that to top it all off, like, you know, it's pretty incredible. And as I started this, Every manager, every selector, every trainer I know has the utmost respect for you as a player and as a person. And I think that shows the character of you and, and what you brought to the Dublin jersey over that 10 years. So, like, it's amazing to actually to have these chats and to, and to talk. Yeah. And to look. It's nice to look back. And one, thing, one question that over the last few years, you know, I suppose a lot of our generation will get asked is, oh, you'd probably love to be playing now and love to be part of that squad. And you kind of say to yourself, you wouldn't swap anything going back, you know, and that's like, they were the hard years. They were the kind of, you know, the dogged years that we were chasing the best teams. And like, we probably, we only towards the end of our career, we got there and you'd like to think that the hard yards that that group of players, and there was probably, God, it could have been like between 
2002 and 2011, best part of 60, 70 fellas involved over years that, you know, the work all those fellas did kind of put in a good solid base for the success Dublin are having um, nowadays, you know, and hopefully that will continue. And you look at the youngsters growing up today have, you know, they've real heroes to look up to and hopefully Dublin will be in a good place for many years to come. Yeah, and, and thank God there's no camera phones back then either. <laughs> <laughs> it's different, but even all that's so different as well. You know, the pressures that fellas have nowadays, they're like, they are, everything's, everything's being watched, but like Dublin have such good role models and uh, we take our hats off to them all that they're, um, they're the type of fellas that, you now I suppose we have kids ourselves that you want them to look up to and uh I think we're lucky to have such good role models um, wearing the Dublin jersey these days. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, Kieran Kilkenny is practically cha- training all of Ireland at the moment. Like you know, and I look at the good work that Dean Rock is doing with raising money for stewards. Like you know, Kev Mack, what it is that his his campaigns and Philly, what he's doing as well. Like there's a heap, and Michael Darren McCauley, what he's doing in the, in the inner city as well. They're all role models, and I think. The culture change. Uh, that car park that Karen Kilkenny is, they're going to change the name of that car park. Karen <laughs> Memorial Car Park, I think. But no, it's brilliant. It's great. And like, it's great for kids. You see kids now, like even around when you're, you're going out for your walks or whatever, uh, these days and you see kids and they're out doing the skills. And like, it's, it's great for to see our Dublin players having such a, an influence on the, the youngsters of today, you know, in a positive way. Yeah, no, and absolutely. And let's hope it. The guys can get back on the field and the, and the girls can get back on the field very soon because I think we all want to see it back and and you know we're, we're all a bit of stars of football and hurling and want to get back into Crow Park as soon as possible. So look, cheers for this and enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Now always uh, great to talk to you, Emo. Nice to relive some of the the memories, you know. And uh, yeah, really, really good. And best of luck with the with the remaining episodes and look, really looking forward to hearing from some of the lads as well because <laughs> well, look uh, there'll be a few stories to share anyway that probably shouldn't be shared but anyway that's part of it as well so yeah. take care of Lucas at hi and, and stay safe no worries <laughs>